Today's episode of Found Down is brought to you by Unwound Retreats. Unwound Retreats offers fun events and travel experiences for nurses locally and internationally. Founded by me, Nicole Johnson, ICU nurse and host of the Found Down podcast, I provide opportunities for nurses to practice self-care, learn, and travel together. These last two years have been brutal in healthcare, and why not give yourself the gift to unwind, learn, and grow? Previous guests have loved the experiences, especially because you can just show up and know that everything will be taken care of. Unwound Retreats is offering exciting and luxurious retreats in Morocco and Mexico. Go over to unwoundretreats.com and sign up to get on the email list so you can find out more. Hey there, this is Nicole, the host and producer of the Found Out Podcast. I just want to say thanks so much for listening. You guys are amazing. Thanks for writing in. Thanks for writing reviews. Thanks for getting in touch with me. I so appreciate your love and support. And if you're new here, thanks for tuning in. You guys are the best. Like you are the best. So I just want to say thank you for being so awesome. If you want to get in touch with me, you have thoughts about the show, you can email me at founddownpodcast at gmail.com. You can also reach me on Instagram at founddownpodcast. Now a moment about our sponsor. I want to talk about Nicole Kupchik, CNS educator and author. She's offering you guys, the Found Down listeners, 20% off all of her online classes, Zoom courses, and educational books. Some of these courses include CCRN certification reviews um, or hemodynamics or mechanical ventilation. So if you want to like get up to snuff on what's current, I would highly recommend enrolling in some of her courses. Now you can do so at NicoleCupcheConsulting.com and you can get 20% off if you enter the coupon code FOUNDDOWN20 at checkout. And that is lowercase FOUNDDOWN20. I hope you take advantage of this awesome opportunity. I'm currently seeing the impact of the cardiac boot camp on my practice, and that is exciting to me. I hope you guys check out our website, NicoleCupcheConsulting.com, and see what's in store. Okay, thanks so much for tuning in. I hope you guys enjoy this episode. Welcome to the Found Down Podcast. This is a podcast of untold nursing stories that are sometimes hilarious, dark, insane, and anything in between. As a warning, this show is rated E and is mature in content. It often deals with the reality of life and death and how we as nurses intersect with that on a regular basis. If we laugh, it's not out of disrespect. We love what we do and have every intention of continuing to do so. With that, enjoy the show. Well, hello and welcome to the Found Down Podcast. I'm your host, Nicole Johnson, and I'm I'm so excited. I say that every time, but I really am. I've got Des Wood back on the show. You know, she's an alum. She's a critical care nurse practitioner. She's also an instructor for advanced practice nursing students and a certified yoga teacher and an entrepreneur. Like, what the hell? <laughs> You've got so much going on, Des. We're going to talk to Des about, you know, we're going to have some real like heart to heart convos about, you know, nursing and, and what comes and what, like, how do we deal with what comes when we're at work? So anyway, you know, the question before we talk about any of that, how are you? Oh man, I just want to say thank you. And your podcast is, it's just really, you're doing some amazing stuff, Nicole. So thank you. Oh my God. Well, you're welcome and thank you. (laughs) Yeah, I I really appreciate it. I talked to a nurse um, last week who is a huge fan of your show. No way. Yeah, she found me on Instagram and um, was asking me about some doctoral programs. She's like, you know, Nicole Johnson, I love her podcast. And I said, I love it too. (laughs) (laughs) That's awesome. That that shit keeps me going, man. Thank you. You know, I think. Yeah, so I think when you say how you doing, what a interesting <laughs> question. Yes. Yes. How are you doing? Um I'm a you know, I'm a well, f- I had my physical with my doctor and actually nurse practitioner who I was first I was like I have to change. I have to, you know, I have some of that white coat syndrome where like I don't like to go 
to the doctor and I don't like whatever. Anyway, I just didn't like that experience, but you gotta, Isn't you gotta that interesting? Take, like yeah. here we are as healthcare people, but we dread it ourselves sometimes. Yes. What's yeah. that about? What do you think that's about? I don't know. I don't, I don't, I don't really know. We're in the hot seat. We don't want to be in the hot seat. I mean, there's some, be- there's some stuff, you know, I mean, like, am I, what if, what if I have a brought like, what if my blood pressure's high? Like, what if I'm, I don't know. What if I'm, I don't, I think it's like some form of wanting to perform and like not wanting to do it wrong, you know, or like, being judged oh, that I'm unhealthy or one thing I hate I don't I you know it's sort of triggering for me this is like going on a tangent but I hate getting weighed at the doctor because there's always a discrepancy between my scale and their scale and it puts me in a tailspin so today I was like I weighed this this morning and I don't I'd rather not be weighed I don't want to and what they did they did you not do it or yeah I didn't do it? it they were cool with it I said, I weighed I this this morning yeah. and they were like, great. You know what we call that? What do we call it? Patient centeredness. <laughs> when you listen to your patient or you just decide yeah. to go, go with what they want. Exactly. Like, isn't that the way healthcare should be? I, I mean, yeah. in my eye, that's the way it should be. And I really am proud of your provider for like listening to you. Cause oftentimes it's, you know, can be this paternalistic, you should do it this way, but do you really need to do it that way? You weighed yourself, you know, like, Yeah. you know, right. It's the trend, right? It's the trend, like the CVP. <laughs> <laughs> it is. It's the trend. You know, am I up? Am I down? Where am I? Right. Am I feeling good? Am I feeling good? Are you feeling good today? I guess. Um, now I am. Now I, yeah. you know, like, you know, we're going to deal with what comes with Rob, of course. Um, and he feels okay about it. And then, you know, whatever I had peace, this is like small potatoes with my, my, you know, checkup. And now I'm talking to you and I always love, I love doing this podcast. I love also, I love talking to you Des. I feel like we have some really awesome, real conversations. Um, and you know, we never really know where it's going to go. No. And I think, you know, what I was going to say is, isn't that an analogy for nursing? <laughs> you never really know where it's going to go. You never um, do. And I think you and I, we've talked a lot on our phone conversations separate from this podcast about what it is, what is wellness. And, you know, with your um, business with Unround with Treats and your focus on your own self-care, I thought maybe we could just take a little deeper dive down what that means. Mm-hmm. I think that's great. I I wonder, Des, um, mm-hmm. how do you deal with what comes at work? Well, God, that's such a, like, let's unpack that for a minute. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. What is I, work? What What is, what is what, Well, and I think you and I, we've been nursing, I gosh, I graduated in uh, 1996. And I think we're at this point in our career where either you sort of, I know this is a trendy word right now, but you pivot away right. from bedside. Right. Or you like stick it out because now you're almost vested for 20 years. Yeah. And I, I think this is a really interesting time as far as you and I, where we are in our career trajectory. Mm-hmm. And so when I think about wellness for me, in our practice, in our profession, um, I feel pretty good, even though we're in this midst of a crazy pandemic. But I think that has come with a lot of practice um, and utilizing some skill set that I think we all have naturally. It's just finding that way. Mm-hmm. And I, I just want to say to the listeners, like you and I have found a way um, and I don't know that way is not for everybody. You know, I right. just want to acknowledge that. And um, I by no means have a magic wand. <laughs> but <laughs> I, I do think I'm developing a way of dealing with what we see on a daily basis at our job 
that's mm -hmm. maybe a bit more healthy. Mm -hmm. What? You know, I, I was, oh yeah, oh, no, go, ahead. go ahead. No, no, you. No, so I was thinking, you know, yesterday I had this crazy shift where, you know, ethical dilemmas, right? Mm. How many how many ethical dilemmas can you find in the ICU? Well, it happens yeah. quite regularly. All the time. I, all the time. And yesterday I had a serious ethical dilemma and I actually called ethics. I mm. called the department. Have you ever done that? I have. It, I've only done that a few times in my career, though. Yeah. But, and I'll yeah. tell you, Nicole, they put together a stat committee meeting to address the issue. Wow. They like organized it within two hours. Wow. And it took a lot of coordination of care and pretty much my entire day sort of coordinating this meeting. And in the end, it really it was a benefit to uh, the veteran. And I was I was stoked. Mm hmm. But in that moment, was I stressed? Was I feeling like, oh, my God, how am I going to do this? Yes. <laughs> mm. um, so when you really feel like that, like, what do you do? What do you what do you do in those moments or, you know, like in those moments? And then when your shift is done and and like, how do you handle all that? Well, part of it was I really delegated to my team. So like many of your listeners, I work in an ICU and there's luckily, it's not just me, right? <laughs> I have my nurse, right. I have my ICU attending, I have the resident house staff, I have my charge nurse, I have the nurse manager, and I called them all in because I'm, you know, trying to deal with this coordinating meeting and I can't do all the patient care and right. so really it's about organizing the team. And to me, that is fundamental in my job to help me not take on and feel so much stress. Mm -hmm. But I think as nurses, we're trained sometimes to not delegate. Have you noticed that? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And I think for some dumb reason, uh, I shouldn't say dumb, but when we're, when we're brand new baby nurses, we think... Mm -hmm. We have to do all of it. We don't realize that survival, the way f you survive is through delegation, through leaning on your team, through collaboration. So, uh, yeah. And I think you have to be very precise. So it's not, hey, guys, can you just help me? No, right. that's bullshit. You got to give specific <laughs> direction of what you need in that moment. So I need you to answer that phone. I need you to go to this patient's bedside because I can't be there. You got to call the family member, they need you to call back. Yeah. So if you can be specific with your delegation, then it it takes focus though, right? Because yeah. sometimes you get really overwhelmed. I just need help. I'm drowning. I don't even know where to start. <laughs> yeah, totally. Um, and, so you say, and I think, you know, you just have to back up and say, okay, what, what needs to be done first? Like what, what are all the things? So you can at least pick one or delegate right. one. Delegate one. Just start with one. And then that gives you some breath to yeah. take pause. And I think that's the other thing is like taking pause and focusing. Because I don't know about you, but we've talked about this in our other podcasts. Some days you feel like you're going back and forth between like dealing with a crying family member who's just lost someone or a devastating illness, terrible news to someone who's you know, getting out of bed and about to go home and be with their family. So you're constantly crossing this chasm of yeah. emotional lability. And so how do you check in with yourself? So mm -hmm. you're not always reacting to that emotion. And mm -hmm. partially that for me has come through the training of yoga. Mm -hmm. um, and I've been practicing since nursing school. That's essentially when I started when I was 21. Mm. So yoga for me, it's like being present, being yeah. in your body, like becoming centered and like finding your breath and doing this practice, which is very individualized, right? One thing everybody, y'all the yogis out there always say like, it's your own <laughs> practice, right? Don't compare to anybody else. Talk to me about your practice and like, like, you know, you, you've been doing this now. It's this anchor for you. It's this touchstone for you. Like, what do you do 
you probably don't have to think about it now, but what do you do at work when related to your, your yoga training and practice? Well, I think, you know, I really became yoga for me sort of after my dad died um, in the ICU, I went through an immense grief period. And I also, you know, was an ICU nurse. And for the first time, I like really recognized what families are going through. And um, I, you know, wanted to do something to help families through that stress and grief. And so um, I wanted to bring yoga to them because it really helped me. And the way it helped me, I, the, how I describe it is when I'm on the yoga mat, working on a pose, maybe that's super difficult, or I'm feeling, I don't, usually the best practices I have are when I don't want to practice. <laughs> I don't know about <laughs> you. Yeah. Yes. Um, and I'm on the mat and I'm, you know, really sweating or like finding something difficult and I breathe through it and I get to this other pose and for, it just sort of opens up a channel for me. And through that sort of difficult mental exercise, through the physical asana, right, the actual physical practice, um, I kind of use that when I'm not on the mat in a way that helps me when I'm at the job. And so the analogy I would give you for that is like um, yesterday was a very difficult day and I was, uh, you know, high emotion high feelings of stress, not just through me, but through the whole team. Yeah. High and stakes. So, high stakes. And so I kind of just imagine this really stressful situation, but what can happen through that uh, stress? What can happen? And what happened was something quite amazing for the patient at the end of the day. We were talking offline recently about you have your practice so that when it is hard, it's there, right? It comes. Um, did you, like, while you were in this, like, two-hour high-intensity time, did you, like, have anything you were saying to your mind or, like, trying to ground yourself or was it like, yeah. Do you mind talking about that? Yeah, I think, um, I, it's so interesting cause like the word confidence comes to my head mm -hmm. and you're like, how does yoga give you confidence? But I, I feel like, you know, when you're aware of your own emotions and you're not just, just responding to them, meaning we're emotional beings, right? We're like sacks of hormones and uh, <laughs> we are, we are, you know, we have animalistic feelings and yeah. the lower brain is always on like fleet. It always wants to say, watch out for that danger. Don't touch that danger. <laughs> That's going to hurt you. You know, it's always triggering that all the time. And so when I, what I'm finding through my yoga practice at work, especially is when I lean into those really uncomfortable emotions, 99% of the time, it's the right lean. Mm, and the mm -hmm. outcome is really, really amazing. And so uh, I have some of my students ask me like, Des, how do you, how do you deal with conflict? Like I used to be so conflict. I hate, I hated it. Adverse to conflict. And part of that was like, you know, um, I'm an adult child of an alcoholic. So I grew up really on eggshells. And I still had a very loving home. I don't, I think sometimes people get this idea about addiction in the house, mm -hmm. that it's this horrible, horrible thing. But it actually made me a good nurse because I had high intuition. Oh. Do you know what I'm talking about? Mm, yeah, I do. I do. Like, I, I can walk in a room and I can feel the energy and I know exactly what's going to happen because as a kid, um, I had to train myself to do that because I didn't always know what was going to happen when I got home. Mm. You know, was mm -hmm. my dad going to be drunk? Was he going to be, you know, mad? Was he going to be sad? Like 
all those things. And so I kind of highly developed that intuition um, and I can read people really well. And so that is another way. This is a very roundabout conversation. Sorry. No, (laughs) another, another way of sort of addressing those super tough situations that feel stressful and uncomfortable is like leaning into your intuition and just being okay with that feeling rather than constantly Mm -hmm. reacting and judging it. It's like, Hey, what's here? What's here? What's here? And Dr. Kabat-Zinn, I'm not sure if you know his teachings, but he's a mindfulness teacher. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And he basically started the whole movement of mindfulness in medicine, essentially. Mindfulness stress. Was it stress reduction? reduction? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Sorry. And his whole philosophy is basically how do you live in the moment with non-judgment? Mm. Oh, I like, I, <laughs> I love it. I love it. You know, cause it's a challenge, right? It's such a challenge. And I think when we're at the bedside, constantly having input, like we, we are constantly getting input and data about our patients, about the team, about the dynamics, about the charting, about the stress of our colleagues, about the new ER admin constantly taking in this data. And so if you can sort of, before you react to that data, pause, be in the moment and not judge it. That's some, that's sort of how I start when I take on a situation. And now the next question may be, how do you do that? Well, I don't do it all the time. It's really right. hard. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, cause we're imperfect beings imperfectly perfect is what I I want to say but that makes me think of Dr. Christina Neff who her research is about you know making being friends and and kind to yourself treating yourself as though you are your best friend so even in those moments when we do fuck up and we are very judged of ourselves, how can you then flip it in your mind and, and create kindness and self-love? Wouldn't it be amazing if we really did treat ourselves like our best friends? I love that. And you know, um, Marie, Mm -hmm. you had her on your show. She introduced me to Dr. Christina Neff's research and, um, it's really, uh, it's profound when you start to look at your life that way. Because again, I think we as nurses have this perfection complex sometimes. Mm -hmm. And for me too, you know, as a nurse practitioner, I'm at the comparison of the physician groups of, you know, a lot, there just can be, you can feel an immense amount of pressure. Um, So I try to just really utilize that language of, you know, being a friend to myself Yeah. Offering, I, I've said this a few times, but like offering yourself grace, like, Mm. you know, we've, like you said, we've all fucked up. We've all made mistakes and, um, you know, we're, we are so hard on ourselves. Um, like I remember I made a mistake and I just like bawled all night all and then into the next day. And I just looking back, you know, it wasn't great that everyone turned out. Okay. Yes, thank God. But um, like I didn't need actually to, that wasn't even effective. That wasn't even you know all of this time beating myself up. Like it's not a, it's not effective at all. It just makes you feel worse and awful, and it's just like s- just to suffer, you know. Like I know it, but why suffering? Why why do we do that to ourselves? <laughs> I mean, honestly, I think um, we want to do the best we can for our patients and their families. Mm -hmm. And when you come, Mm -hmm. when you come from that intention, right, that is an intention. And you said something about like, how, again, do we at the bedside sort of cope with this stress? I try to be very intentional with my actions and my words. I really try to be intentional 
um, and have that mantra in my head, like what is best for the patient and family. And when that isn't always what happens, it can feel really defeating. And, um, you know, as healthcare workers, we're sort of in the limelight. <laughs> right. Um, there's, there's sort of a magnifying glass on us at all times. And there isn't a lot of room for mistake. So um, I guess, you know, intention, trying to not judge myself, <laughs> being kind, and then also just knowing that no matter how much control we think we have, we don't have any. And you may say, Des, well, what does that mean? Well, okay, I'm not saying you shouldn't give the antibiotics for sepsis in a timely manner. Okay. Like, right. <laughs> like, like we do have some control, right? We have evidence-based practice. Yeah. But at, but sometimes at the end of the day, you're, the outcome is not going to be what people hoped for. Uh -huh. And uh -huh. so how do you make friends? How do you make, um, uh, how do you negotiate with that uncertainty? Mm. And that's a really odd place to be because I work in academics you know, mm -hmm. I love the academic world. I, f I find it fascinating. I'm constantly learning new things about, for example, COVID, like it's a fascinating virus. It's already mm -hmm. mutating. Like what the hell, you know? Yeah, right. Um, and with that though, it's still this other side of like, we don't know mm -hmm. and we can do everything in our power and the patient may pass away. Um, they may have a horrible reaction. You just, we don't know always. We can do everything we can. And then it sometimes isn't right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's like you just can't hang your hat on the outcome. You can't hang your hat on the outcome, but you know what's really weird about medicine? is that's what it's focused on mortality, morbidity, and the outcome. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. M&M. -M. Mm -hmm. That's a mind messed up. It just like, wait, what? <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh. Somehow I, I was just thinking of like preventative care and like that was just the whole opposite side of the coin that we're on, you know, like what a different world that would be to be working in preventative care. <laughs> I know. I, you know, I actually, when I went back to NP school, I thought I wanted to do primary care mm. and I, w I did primary care at the VA and I had a 15 minute visit with a veteran who was on 30 different medications. And I thought, you know what? Not for me. <laughs> yeah. It took me it took me 15 minutes to go over the meds and I didn't know if he was going to take them properly. It was so anxiety provoking. Like give me a monitor and <laughs> an ET tube any day of the week. Oh yeah. I know. But, I just, I know, I know it's weird. It's this weird love situation that we have. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's sort of like, I mean, there is, and I was going to say love-hate. I don't want to say hate. I don't, but like, there is, you know, it's a stressful place, right? So it's, um, it's uncomfortable. Like sometimes we, well, we never know what we're going to face the next day we come to work or the day we come to work. And yeah, I mean, how do you, how do you deal with that? Not knowing what's going to happen. It really depends. I think, and I think a lot of nurses out there can relate to this. If I've been off for a little bit, um, I haven't been on the unit in a while. I have a little more trouble sleeping at night. Um, just thinking, let's, 
<laughs> like, am I, for some reason, am I going to wake, am I going to sleep through my alarm? I never sleep through my alarm. I always get up. Like, it's, you know, I just get obsessive. Like, am I going to sleep through my, am I, am I going to wake up on time? Like, what am I going to get? You know, like, how crazy is going to be? Do we have enough nurses? Like, is, am I going to, you just like, so, um, if I've been around the unit and on, on, on the unit working a bit, like, you know, you get the lay of land, lay of the land and you're like, okay, no big, right. You're, it's fine. Um, but if I've been off for a bit, it's, it's more stressful, but I, I try to dig into my practices, you know, so I have a pretty strongly rooted meditation practice that I do in the morning. Um, it's, and it's not very long and depends on, you know, sometimes it's five minutes, but most of the time it's 10 minutes and I just try to drop down and just sort of savor that quiet and that stillness because I don't know if I'm going to have it that day. (laughs) You don't know. I think that's really important to create these rituals. I I, I think that's another, um, very tangible thing to you know for me it's like the drive to and the drive home Mm. um there's something like I try to I don't know it's it's really therapeutic for me Mm -hmm. and and when I hit the door when I walk in the door at home I really really try to not bring that work in Mm -hmm. um again that doesn't happen every day right but Part of it is, you know, I have a five-year-old and she's like ready to do imaginary caking, cake bakes. So <laughs> I can't like bring the code into that space. Right. Um, so she's kind of a great uh, gateway into like that transition period because I, there is an energetic shift that happens either, mm-hmm. you know, when you're walking into the hospital door and when you're leaving. Mm-hmm. I'm fascinated by a few things. One is like the, how do you not live and live like in the room with your patient or whatever, like live the, like, how do you stop your, like, how do you transition? Not just you personally, but just this like idea that it's hard to shut off. Um, and it gets easier with time, but sometimes it's just really hard. It's like you, you know, anyway, I'm, I love that you're, I was about to say her name. Can I say her name? Yeah. I don't have to, I was going to say, but I love that. So Dylan brings you into this place, you know, even if I'm, I'm sounds like most of the time you're there, but like, if you're not there, she probably helps you get there. She really does. And I'll tell you, like kids um, and, you know, kid animals to do this, they kind of they, they're emotional beings. And so they take you out of your cognitive mind. Mm. And um, I, I like the cognitive mind. I spend a lot of time in my cerebral head. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but sometimes you just need to get into a different place. You know, and we've talked about this before in our talks about play. Um, Mm. You know, I Mm -hmm. love to go up in the mountains and ski and um, really just be out there and and doing nothing that's related to work. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think children and animals, too, can get you out of that cognitive mind and into something a little more uh, visceral, if that makes sense. Yeah, it does. Yeah. Yeah. Um, cause they just want to love, they want to love and they want to play and, um, it's, it's not always perfect. Don't get me wrong, but <laughs> I do use that. I mm-hmm. use play a lot. I, I try to have active times of play mm-hmm. and you, your audience may say, what the hell is that? <laughs> but it, it is for me, like. Maybe um, building a fort or playing um, with my cat. Like 
giving her some catnip and like watching her go crazy. <laughs> you know, just those sort of moments where you're not always thinking, thinking, thinking. And that to me is like meditation does that too. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it, it doesn't stop the thoughts, right? Like you can't Mm-mm. stop your mind, Mm-mm. but it sort of moves and shifts. It shifts the thought, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, it does. Yeah. And you, you know, you like I, I mentioned before, like you're able just to see what's there and maybe not judge it. Not judge it. And some really cool things can happen, you know, and it's been researched. I mean, it's evidence-based now. It can help with um, PTSD and trauma and anxiety disorders. Mm-hmm. Um, rumination, that's something sometimes, like, I think you mentioned that, like, how do you not, how do you transition from out of the room? You, I think you were just saying yeah. that. Like, yeah, thank you for naming it. Right, you're constantly thinking about this situation or this scenario in your head. Mm-hmm. And I, for one, have definitely had those experiences. Um, I don't, my worst days are airway codes. I, I oh. the most stressful when you can't get an airway, it's just like watching someone suffocate that to me, I probably have the, the worst PTSD from a situation on the unit where that happened. Wow. And I still think about, I know the details of that day. It's so mm-hmm. crazy. Like I can, I've worked for 14 years, but that day in specifically is like burned in my face, you know? Mm -hmm. And I think what, what we were talking about either through play or meditation or yoga is it sort of mutes, mutes, tampers down that extreme focus rumination and repeated Mm -hmm. thought, Mm -hmm. the same thought over and over again. I was just going to, say, um, agree with you that yes, airway codes are the worst. I think they're absolute worst. They're the worst out there for sure. They're the worst out there. And it's such a, yeah, I've had to do some work around that. Yeah. Like, um, my last guest, Krista, you know, she she talked to me. Yeah. Mm -hmm. She was the, yeah. The flight nurse in the helicopter crash. Yes. She talked about like basically taking the sympathetic nervous system response out of these memories. Mm. So like I threw brain, what does she call it? Well, through eye movement, like EMDR. Yes. And then through brain spotting. Um, and cognitive behavioral therapy, but she was able to take, I mean, that like she, of course, knows that day, like it's burned in her brain forever, right? We have all these experiences that are just burned in our minds. But if she was able to take the physical response out of that, of reliving right. it. And I think to me what you just explained that's resilience Mm. so how do you take a trauma response for example the airway code or this horrific crash and turn it and spin it in a way that promotes healthy growth Mm -hmm. so work and it's i mean we have to just, just obviously work at it right like this is this is also the privilege of being alive (laughs) i love that the privilege of being alive it that is so true but when yeah like but when you talk about you know post-traumatic growth Mm. that is essentially what you're doing is using this experience to create positive growth Mm -hmm. um and it's a process Mm mm-hmm and when it happens, it's pretty damn amazing. Mm-hmm. And I think it, it definitely makes you a better provider. Yeah. 
Um, and I know recently uh, there's been some pushback on like resilience and burnout for healthcare workers. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there's, there's some talk about, well, if you were just more resilient, you wouldn't be feeling this way. <laughs> and- I'm sorry. <laughs> That's not true. <laughs> I mean, I, mean it, I don't it, think it, it I is. Mean, healthcare systems are kind of using that, though. Um, you know, this resiliency factor to push people further. And that's not always a good thing either. Like, we have to be, it's a balance, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but I mean, you, as- you need some basic things. You need adequate staffing. You need enough time to take breaks. You need the ability to deliver the care that you want. Exactly. Sorry. So, no, I, I, I'm, I just think it's, you, it's a slippery slope, right? Like we have to be really mindful again of how far we push this idea of like, if I just had more self care, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, yes, right. That's not the magic bullet, right? No. And I even, for this talk today, there was a special on, um, a special edition on self-care. And I think we just have to be really careful about prescriptive things. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. And that, you know, this goal of what self-care isn't one size fits all. Because... There was some really good things. Everybody's different. And there was some really good um, tips in this article, especially it talks about like sharing the load, as we talked about earlier in the podcast, delegation, um, boundaries. Oh, God. Mm -hmm. So important. I'm just finally learning what the hell that means. (laughs) (laughs) You know? Yeah. Um, So, yeah, it just we have to be really careful about what is good self-care what does that actually mean and I think Mm -hmm. it's different for everyone and it's not the same every day and it's constantly changing and we don't know yeah boom I just dropped the mic you did boom Des you're you're amazing um you are I just like (laughs) wouldn't I just can't wait for this to give you a big hug and just, oh. like, put my cheek to your cheek in this embrace. Oh. We're both vaccinated, so maybe it'll be sooner than later. One, I have a question for you. For those people who are dreading going to work or when you are dreading going to work, what do you do? Well, so many things just flashed into my mind. First of all, <laughs> coffee's an amazing drug, Okay. <laughs> I'm not going anywhere without a cup of coffee because oftentimes before I have my coffee, I'm dreading doing many things. <laughs> good good okay. answer. Mm-hmm. Um, secondly, you know, like you, I do a lot of things to fill my cup in different ways. Mm-hmm. And I think it's really important as people who work in this in you know industry mm-hmm. that we have avenues that fill your cup in different ways so understanding that the reason why you perhaps are dreading the workday maybe because you're not getting enough x mm-hmm. exercise out time outside time play breath food food is so important by the way i meal prep on my days for work Mm. And it has changed my life the last two years. Oh, wow. Um, So I think just having, again, like you were saying, a ritual, Mm -hmm. a ritual of like, why are you dreading work today? What is it that you need? And paying Mm. attention to that thought, paying attention to that intuition, because something, yes, you cannot control work. We already discussed that, right? It's uncertain. It could be a complete shit show. (laughs) <laughs> you can't control that. But mm-hmm. what you can control is the days you're not there. And what do you need to do to help with that? Mm. 
I don't know. Is that? I hope like everybody. No, I don't think it's BS at all. I think. I think you're right, though. You have to really listen. I'm like, what is it? Why? Where? Why? Where is, where is the dread coming from? You know, and I think we talked a little bit about boundaries, and you know, for me, when I get home, like today after our podcast, I'm going to pick up my daughter, and at five o'clock, I'm not checking email. Mm. I'm not doing it. It's off. Awesome. I just started doing that last year and it, man, talk about like, I sleep better now because I'm not looking at the phone. It's helped with that. Mm, so that's just like, so great. Yeah. Like little things you can insert to maybe have a, I, you know, we do this in the ICU. We have a protected time, you know, when this, a change of shift, mm-hmm. right. <laughs> right. For like patient safety, right. like give yourself a protected time. Yes. I was just thinking, you know, Sometimes what I do, if I find myself like thinking about work after work, I mean, obviously you have to pay attention to what you're thinking in order to know what you're (laughs) like experiencing, right? Be present. But like, hey, I tell myself this, hey, you're not getting paid to be at work right now. You're not being paid to think about work right now. Like you're not like just, you know, make put it in a box i mean maybe there's something that i'm had an issue with or whatever but i mean and i'll try to deal, deal with those in healthy ways but I, i'm just saying you know when you're in this space of thinking about maybe how the day went and what could have gone better or whatever my shift is already over it's done done and i think as a nurse doing shift work that's kind of cool. You know, um, mm-hmm. my mom is an educator and for years she had to grade papers at the end of her day. And it was, that was a lot too, you know? So there is this benefit of like, I'm off shift. I've handed off somebody else is in charge now. And like letting that go, letting that shit go, being a friend to yourself and saying, I'm no longer owning that. Mm. I owned my time. I own my time. Now it's somebody else's time. And that takes practice. It's not like automatic thought, but. It does um, take practice. And mm -hmm. it gets better with time for all the new nurses out there. It gets better. You get better about leaving shit at work. Not ruminating as much. I feel like things have to be pretty bad to get in this like locked up kind of rumination, but. Yeah, and I think too one you know one thing that's kind of magic about your community that you're developing on this podcast is that our friend our coworkers are our friends and lean on them. Mm-hmm. Like I lean on you, my work wives. Okay, like yeah, shout out to my <laughs> work wives. Like they are, they give me reason to get up and do the job. Mm-hmm. Um, like you were saying, when you're dreading work, think about your work wife there. That's going to get you a latte at noon when you've, you know, like those right. work relationships, they're fundamental in helping prevent burnout. Fundamental. Totally. And, that's and you studied. Know, that's studied. And I'll tell you, like, you know, when there's a toxic work environment and when there's not. And mm-hmm. when you look at the, the relationships, the relationships are what get you through it. That's why I don't leave where I am. Cause I see, I, I honestly love my coworkers. I love, love, love them. I love you guys. We love you guys. You're awesome. Yeah. You can do this. We're doing this together. We're doing this together. And your podcast is shedding light on some ways we can continue to do it because it's an awesome, awesome career. It is. Yeah. Des, I want to thank you for offering really good advice and just perspective <laughs> and experience and insight, really valuable insight. Well, I want to thank you. And I just want everyone to know, like, you're not in this alone. You know, we're all together and, um, I'm just offering some talk. <laughs> um, Therapeutic and, talk. 
therapeutic talk and some giggles with my friend. And- <laughs> um, I'm just going to say this. Okay, so this March 3rd, we're doing a unwound retreat. I'm going to be doing some exercises um, and actually we'll, we'll do some education, actually some continuing add on some stress reduction strategies. So this is all like evidence-based practices on gratitude, journaling, and um, we'll do a self-compassion exercise. And then we're also going to do an um, cultivating a moment of awe, which awe is such an interesting emotion that helps cultivate happiness. So, and then we're going to do move into restorative yoga with Des. So that'll be really great. It's this, this Wednesday, March 3rd, 9 to 1130 Pacific standard. I have a link on my website on when I'd found on podcasters, a link to unwound retreats. I'll put a link in the show notes as well. There's still room. It's done virtually. I hope you guys can sign up and you'll get an hour and a half of CEs. Self-care isn't the magic bullet, but it's really good to dig into because um, it can definitely fill your cup. You got to fill your cup with things you love, right? And You got to fill your cup. got to fill your <laughs> cup. Well, Des, well, actually, I want to say to the listener out there, I hope that you learned and got some great insight from Des. I certainly did. It's always a joy and a pleasure to listen to you and talk with you and have these honest conversations. Um, maybe we'll see you on Wednesday at our next Unwound Retreats. But, uh, oh, any last closing thoughts, Des? I forgot to ask you that. Um, I don't, I just am like really grateful to have you in my life. So thank you. <gasps> I want. <laughs> Damn it, I need to hug you. I need to go over to West Seattle and <laughs> hug you. Um, well, thank you. Uh, thank I love you. you. I love you. And I love working with you. And it's just, a, you know, a joy and a pleasure. So for everyone out there in podcast land, do you want to say it with me? What are we saying? We're going to say stay safe and stay sane. And we'll see you on the next one. All right. Ready? One, two, Three. Stay safe and stay sane, and we'll see you on the next one. Thanks so much for tuning in today. If you enjoyed the show, please subscribe and leave an honest review on whatever platform you are listening. Also, feel free to share this with your nursing colleagues. If you'd like to email me, you can do so at founddownpodcast at gmail.com. Feel free to send in any stories. Just make sure they're HIPAA compliant. Also, you can follow the podcast on Instagram at founddownpodcast. We'll see you on the next one.